Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is 1235 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Um... We're going to get to David Staples' call to hockey momentarily. We'll tell you that guests and orders now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that orders now sent you. Roos Chris is open Tuesday through Sunday from uh, 5 until 10 p.m. I want to get to a, I want to respond to a text here that uh, we have received. Bob, who catches Gretzky's Oilers uh, goal total of 583, 97 or 29 or both? That one comes to us from Coach Mike. And here's where I tell you that uh, Leon is at 298 goals and Connor McDavid is at 295. You know what would be awesome? If they both caught Wayne Gretzky's goal totals. Because you know what that would mean? It'd mean they'd be here a long time. All right, uh, we're going to head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline and welcome back to the show from the Cult of Hockey, David Staples. Hello, David. How are you doing? Bob, I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Did you like that response? Let's hope they both uh, surpass Wayne Gretzky's all-time winner's goal total. I loved that response, Bob. I yes. mean, I, <laughs> if you're a fan of this team, there's nothing you want more than Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl to finish out their career in Edmonton. And I think, you know, we haven't had that with our great players. We've had some come back at the end of their careers, like Kevin Long, Glenn Anderson. But we haven't had that kind of, you know, uh, starting your career in Oiler, ending your career in Oiler. I, I think we would have had it, honestly, with Wayne Gretzky, if not for Peter Pocklinton's financial troubles. And, you know, his desire to maximize the sale value of, of that asset, as he saw it. Um, we're going to see it, I, I think, I hope, with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's he's signed long-term. I think he's going to be 35 uh, when his contract ends. And there's a chance, there's a good chance, we're going to see it with Drysaddle and McDavid. I, you know, I have my head around them not staying because this is the modern world. These things happen. Great players move on in all kinds of sports. Lionel Messi moved on. LeBron James has moved on. Kobe Bryant moved on. Shaquille O'Neal. Like, it's just common, right? But... Um, with the friendship that they have and the chance to play together uh, with Darnell Nurse, the big three, throughout their entire careers, I think there's a chance it's going to happen. Do you? Rec- I don't know if you remember this. We had Wayne Gretzky on when he was coach of the uh, uh, Phoenix Coyotes at the time when there was a discussion about who would be the potential long-term owner of the Edmonton Oilers. And, of course, Cal Nichols and the Edmonton Investors Group stepped up, kept the team in town, As and you covered this. And, uh, yeah. you know, back in 1998, and this would have been in the 07-08 season, so I was hosting Total Sports at the time, and I said, Wayne, the number one concern, uh, by the way, you mentioned Kobe Bryant moved on. He played as, you meant Shaquille O'Neal. 
because Kobe Bryant Brian played it. Move. You're right. He played his entire career. He played his entire right. career for the Lakers. Feet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, we had Wayne on the air. Uh, Phoenix was in town, and he was kind enough to do our show. And I, I point blank said, Wayne, there's because of what happened with Peter Pocklington and single ownership, uh, there, and the fact that you were sold, and he cut me off right away. And he said, I guarantee you that if Daryl Cates gets the team, every every significant player he'll try to keep long-term on long-term deals. That's what he said. He said that in 2007, in December of 2007, Arizona, Phoenix was in town. So uh, think about it. Um, Hall, Everly, Nugent Hopkins were all signed to, you know, Max, I guess technically Everly got a six-year deal. He was traded for another player. He didn't turn out to be a superstar. He's a pretty good player. Hall, yep. we can debate that trade forever. The guy ended up winning MVP after Edmonton. I don't think he's had an MVP career, but he had one incredible year in New Jersey. That's a tough trade for a lot of Oilers fans to this day to stomach. Um, and we wish him the best of luck in Boston. And they're using them the same way L.A. uses Fiala, where they get mismatches against third defense pairings. Nugent Hopkins, his, they've signed him to back-to-back max term length deals, seven-year and eight-year contracts. The Oilers signed McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh, and and Nurse to max term length deals. Keep that in common. For all the criticism on on Nurse and he's not worth what he's getting, they did sign him to the longest term deal possible. And so, I guess Wayne knew what he was talking about, didn't he, David? Yeah, and and I think that the the bonds of friendship would have kept those Oilers together without Peter Pocklington's financial troubles. I think Wayne made it clear. He's made it clear a number of times that you know that in the end it, the trade worked out for him. He doesn't hide that fact that he's okay with what happened. Yes, and his his life his life turned out you know obviously his life has turned out well. But he said at the time, and, and I think he's like the the chance to play with Mark Messier and Kevin Lowe, um, he just wouldn't have initiated that himself. He would never have driven that ahead himself. It was Parkinson's doing that caused all of that, and. Given the dynamic of the team, the chance to win Stanley Cups together, he never won another Stanley Cup once he left Edmonton. Um, if he had, if if that had been laid out ahead, Wayne, you can stay here. I'll give you a reasonable raise. He would have stayed here, I think, almost certainly. Uh, this texter, Logan, says, I was too young and upset at the time, but I cried when Ryan Smith got traded. Why uh, was Smith traded? Otherwise, I'm sure he would have wanted to stay here his whole career. Well, that'll be a, a, a chapter in my book, all the stuff I do that I couldn't say <laughs> when I'm done doing this, uh, when I'm 80. You can't tell us now. It's, it's, I think it's a comp- I've heard it's kind of complicated. And, it, it, it was a complicated situation. Uh, yeah. that, was in, uh, that was in the 06-07 year, the second last year the Edmonton Investors Group had the team. And all I'm going to tell you is I don't blame ownership or management for that trade. Okay. Yeah. On that one, I do not. I I think they were exhausted. In fairness to Kevin Lowe, who was the GM at the time, I genuinely believe. Like, I worked. I was not working for the Oilers at that time. I worked for the Oilers Entertainment Group when Taylor Hall got traded. That trade still. And I there's lots of fans that claim they know all this stuff about Taylor Hall, most of which is complete BS. I'm telling you right now, to me, that was a very, some would say sketchy, others would say speculative trade. Adam Larson was a good, solid player that came back, but Taylor Taylor Hall had a way higher upside. All you needed to know was, you know, what Bob McKenzie texted that day. The trade is one for one. Because we all I was expected okay with that trade, Bob. I was I was okay with that. Yeah, and I and I and I and I loved Adam Larson as a guy. 
Yeah. But I also know that Taylor Hall wanted to be here. He yeah. he was he was really upset and at that time now New Jersey has become in many respects David there are people in the league that think it's one of the best run organizations in the league right now. So, but they weren't at that point when Hall did not commit to Lem long term either. Some would say the the trade's not that big of a deal. Like some would say that Hall Larson deal is not actually that big of a trade that Adam Larson who's having a very good year this year in Seattle. Uh, and the Oilers have kind of replaced him with Ekholm. I might argue the numbers would suggest Ekholm has been historically better than Larson because Larson certainly has not had five thirty-plus point seasons. Okay, um, Larson's a solid, legit top four NHL defenseman all day. We all know that. But Taylor Hall's upside, his ceiling was greater, and that's what that's what unnerved me more. So there you go, different perspectives to this day, and I, it's just it is funny. But at the end of the day, you take a look at it, and Hall uh, and Everly, and then Nugent Hopkins signed long-term deals. Uh, Nugent Hopkins has signed two max term length deals, 15 years worth of contracts in Edmonton. If you make a decision at some point, you know, down the road, I don't maybe, you know, and that's what happened with Hall. He got traded. Everly got traded. That was not a good trade that uh, Pete Shirelli made for Everly for Strom, especially when it became Spooner, you know. So, but the, the stars, and we're talking with David and Drysettle here, I would like nothing more to see both of them surpass Wayne Gretzky in all-time goal totals. That would be awesome for oil country. The chances of them signing here, Bob, I think, went up dramatically when Darnell Nurse signed that long-term contract. And if Nurse hadn't signed that contract, um, you know, when they're making their decision two or three years from now, um, you know, they're, they're, it's an ongoing thing for all the players. You know, if they wanted to trade today, they could force a trade out of it, out of Edmonton if they needed it and they wanted it. But it, when they're when they're when's the last time when's they, the last time we've had that talk? Um, about when's what? the last time we've heard about a player forcing a trade out of Edmonton? It's been a hell of a long time, David. It, it has been a while. You know, Edmonton offers. You know what Cal Nichols and Patrick LaForge talked about was the pure hockey experience and it's intense but if you want to have live in a city where hockey is significant where it's number one and when the city, when the owners are going well i mean it, uh, my understanding for the players it's like fantastic in this city because everybody knows and that's a downside that everybody knows but everyone knows what you did last night on the ice it's, it means something here if you win a stanley cup it's like well if a tree falls in a forest and no one's there to see it does anyone care and that's not what it's like in Edmonton. So you have that going for Edmonton. You have the fact that now Edmonton can pay top dollar for players. They couldn't in the past for a lo- for the longest time. And you have the bonds of friendship. Ken McDavid and Dreisel, could they could they hope to play together in another city? That's highly unlikely. I mean, it's possible. But if, you, if that team was to clear that kind of cap space, would they have the then the wherewithal to build a team around them. Because McDavid and Dreisel now know what it's like and how difficult it is to build a team around them. It's finally happening. All right. So I'm, I'm going to shoot you some stats here, okay? Since Jay Woodcroft has become head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, do you know which t- team in the Western Conference has the best points percentage? I'm pretty sure it's the Edmonton Oilers last time I checked. It's the Edmonton Oilers. Out since Ken Holland has become general manager... And the orders were well outside of the playoffs in the 18-19 season. I think they were 24th that year. So since the start of the 1920 season, 
Do you know where Edmonton's combined record points percentage-wise is in the National Hockey League? Do you think it'd be in the top ten or outside of the top ten? Since Holland took over, yes. I, 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 yeah, I think it's in the. I, I'm guessing top ten, but it's, I'm not. It's tenth. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. now saying that, my hope was this year, David, that the Oilers would have moved into the top eight. That has not come to fruition. They're basically. You know, the last, uh, the first year Holland was here, the Oilers finished 12th overall. The next two years, they finished 11th. I think right now, as of today, they're 11th. My guess is they're going to finish 9th or 10th. They've got an easy schedule down the stretch here. Uh, there's one, there's one big difference on this year's team, and I know you monitor the scoring chances. They're getting way more productivity and far more balanced play five on five when they don't have McDavid and Drysaddle on the ice than past years. What's well, hurt, Bob? Go ahead. And what's hurt them is saves and stops, right? The last two years, Mike Smith had a 923 and 915 save percentage. Stuart Skinner is like around 911, 912 on the year. And unfortunately, Jack Campbell hasn't been able to deliver that so far as an oiler. Go for it. The floor is yours. Yeah. I mean, this is, is, if we're completely honest, if you look at the Oilers, like, differential on grade-A shots. They're, you know, they're up three grade-A shots, four grade-A shots a game on the opposition most nights. That's a goal. You know, the owners are a goal a game better than any other team, and yet their record isn't, doesn't reflect that. And it, it, the, the main issue by far has been goal, goaltending, and it's and Jack Campbell has really struggled. It's hard, it's hard, you know, it's pressure enough to be the goalie anyway on any team, but Jack Campbell must be feeling immense pressure every time he's taken the net now in Edmonton. He's going to have to work through that. And he's going to be given a chance to rebuild his game this summer, I think, and get another shot at it next year, see how it goes next year. I mean, the good news is that the amount they're paying on uh, the goaltenders in terms of cap hit isn't that great between Skinner and Campbell the next few years. So they can they can ride this out with Campbell and hope he recovers his game. For the five years before he came to Edmonton, he was at least league average in every league he played in, in the NHL, AHL. He was at least league average, if not better. He has a long record of being a, an at least average, if not better, goalie in the NHL. And that's all the Oilers really need to win. They don't need, you know, um, Grant Fuhrer in his prime to win the Stanley Cup. This team is built so well, and they have such high-end talent now that they can win the Stanley Cup, I think, with, with if they just get a little bit above average goaltending, it doesn't kill you. And, as you know, Bob, last night we saw Warren Fogle step up with um, Nugent Hopkins and Leon Dreisfeld on the line. Yeah. That line hasn't been... That line was not working real well with Kyler Yamamoto, who's, who's struggled all year, mainly due to injuries, I believe. But it's, it's acquisitions like Fogel, like Matthias Janmark, like Bugstad now. It's these small pieces, which, which Ken Holland has put in place, along with the big pieces. Like, imagine th- thinking two years ago that we'd have, that the owners would have Evander Kane, Matthias Ekholm, Zach Hyman on their team. I mean, these are all fantastic acquisitions that Ken Holland has made and to improve the team and he, he's been pretty clever uh, in doing so. So Fogel, now we might have, like, the orders have all the makings of... Cotton. Sorry, are, are you saying, so you, uh, from your perspective, Fogel, that, that's turned out to be a good trade? Yeah, I think he, in the last, since in the calendar year of 2023, Warren Fogel has been the player the orders hoped he would be. Yeah. For the first year and a half, he was kind of up and down in yep. you know, the lineup, he was benched. For the last since in the cal- this calendar year, Bob, he he's he has been he's been a good to really good two way hockey player at even strength. I, look, he's I agree top, with you. He could be on the top in the top six in the playoffs. I, he's he's crushing it right now. He's playing and playing with such confidence, and he's a big, fast guy. 
know, it's, 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 it's funny because, you know, and this is how, and, I, and I'm going to correlate this back to Fogel in a second. Andrew Cito is texting us out of Nelson, B.C. Bob, Taylor Hall is a third-line player on a cup contender like Boston. Uh, 16 goals, 36 points. Larson, I believe, had and has been uh, better for more seasons than Hall, so I call that trade a win for the Edmonton Oilers. See, and I wouldn't say it was a win. I, I might say it might be a soft, and the fact that, it, it, again, it's the upside of Hall, and he is on Boston, but this is how perception works in trade. Like, Andrew say, no, Bob, the Oilers won that trade. David, you know the venom that was out there when Ethan Bear got traded for Warren Fogle. And ultimately, Carolina basically gave Ethan Bear away for free to the Vancouver Canucks. And now they're back to the same issue contract-wise with Ethan on a long-term extension. Ethan couldn't even play in Carolina at the start of this year. Fogle, a lot of people thought, was strictly a byproduct of Jordan Stahls in Carolina. And suddenly, he's looking like I'm sitting there watching that game last night going, you know, when Hyman comes back, they should put Yamamoto on the third line and just keep Fogle in the top six and play him there and balance their lines a bit and make, you know, not automatically just hand Yamamoto 16 and a half minutes a game in the top six. You know, but there's a lot of people. That, there were a lot of people that were really down on Fogle. And I wasn't as, I, I was disappointed in the productivity of Paul Yarvey and Yamamoto and Fogle. But the difference is Fogle's had very little top six time over the last season and a half at Edmonton. The other two guys have played a lot in the top six, and Fogel's the one with double-digit goals, which is hard to do when you don't play on a power play and don't play of top six. It's like Derek Ryan. At $1.25 million, you got a guy two years in a row, 10 plays. He's got 12 goals this year. He's making $1.25 million. He plays 11 minutes a game. Sometimes, Bob, when you get traded for a fan favorite like Ethan Bear, and Ethan Bear had a huge faction. Everyone was rooting for Ethan Bear, and then he had a huge faction of really hardcore fans, and some who rated his, his hockey ability much more highly than I would have rated. I think I think he's a, a good uh, a good player, but some people think he, he's a top four for sure. I'm not so certain about that, but when you're traded for a fan favorite like Ethan Bear, that can be trouble. Like It's like uh, a lot of people love Tyson Berry, the game that he played. And they're not. They're going to be looking at Evan Bouchard always a little bit. Well, maybe they should have got rid of Bouchard and kept my guy Barry. And they're going to they're going to give Bouchard a rougher time than I think he deserves. So this is the nature of being a fan. We all have our favorites, and and if you, you replace our favorite, we're none too happy. David, uh, I saw Bruce McCurdy today. Uh, it was an early morning. We had the game last night. Uh, we had a, a season seed holders availability this morning, and Mark Stewart was terrific. And I, I saw Bruce there from the Cult to Hockey. Uh, it, it's uh, all I'm going to tell you is the Oilers, and you know this because you've uh, you've got your Cult to Hockey blog going. The Edmonton Oilers have awesome fans. We're lucky, man. It, it's, Best it's, fans in the world. They're 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 great. Thanks, David. Thanks, Bob. You bet. 12.53 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you along with Brendan Escott. Uh, we'll take a quick timeout. This is Oilers Now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I got this text on the Ashley Fine Floors text line from a 403 exchange. Bob, Derek Ryan might catch Jonathan Huberto in goals. And I'm like, what? I, because it's been so long since the Oilers played the Calgary Flames, I haven't played them since December 27th. Uh, by the way, the Oilers, since Christmas, have the second-best points percentage in the Western Conference. Um, Jonathan Huberto, who had 30 goals and 115 points last year in 80 games, went plus 35 in Florida. 65 games in a season, 14 goals. He's minus five. Derek Ryan, 12 goals, plus six. Jonathan, now, Huberto's got 45 points, and he is primarily a playmaker, but Brennan Escott, he's kind of, like, on their power play. That's a, that's. A, think about that for a second. He's got 14 goals. The guy had 115 points last year. And has he not had three of those goals in the last two games, by the way? Two or three of those goals have come in the last two games. So he's, like, just, just ahead of Ryan at this stage. Nick Bukestead has more goals this season than Jonathan Hubert. I did not know. Like, wow. I think Hubert, I'm going to tell you, right, I think Trey Levin did as good as he could have. Like, take a look at what happened to him. So Goodrow doesn't want to sign there, doesn't want to sign a long-term deal there. Kachuk basically says, I'm not signing long-term. He gets Huberto and Weger back, and then he gets Connery to replace Goodrow. I think Brad did some good work, but there's, are they going to make the, like, Dom Lucision has them at 18% today to make the playoffs. I don't think they make the playoffs. They lost in Arizona in overtime last And, hey, they laid the, the rubber on the goaltender there. It was a lot of shots. but They I mean, get lots of on. shots in every game. They, exactly. Daryl Sutter's teams are volume shooting teams. <laughs> I think Daryl Sutter is the guy that Huberto won't be playing for. Like, he just, at this stage, is not playing for him. All right. You can text us on the Ashley Fine Flores text line. We're all hoping for another Battle of Alberta. Oh, yeah. Deep down inside, are there some of, out, some of you out there right now that admittedly would not be disappointed if Calgary missed the playoffs? Somewhere in the deep reset. like, And saying that, Calgary can still make the playoffs. My expectation is that Edmonton will. They're at 98%, by the way, according to Lecision's model. Texas, 780-496-0063. Spec is coming up on 105. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn.